Welcome back, SEL champions, to SEL Convergence. In today's episode, we are going to get to the root of something very important, or maybe I should say the STEM, but I'll let you think about what that means. Tom, take it away. Mike, thanks so much again for making all this possible. My friends, I have a very dear friend who's with us tonight. I'm so excited for you to hear from Dale Kishishian, the CEO of HealthWorks Academies. Uh, let that sink in for a minute because Dale is going to take us on a beautiful journey to where our future lies and our future must begin now. It must begin with our children moving into healthcare, moving into the medical field. And Dale has a vast experience. So, Dale, start off by telling our friends a little tiny bit about your journey leading up to the creation of HealthWorks Academies. Thank you, Tom, and it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, you know, I was a dental hygienist in Boston, you know, a long time ago. Uh, married a, a physician who came to Philadelphia to, for his internship and residency. Uh, when he finished, uh, acquired a, a very busy 35-year-old internal medicine practice, and I joined out of necessity as his operations manager and stayed in that role for about 18 years. Mm. We um, we had a, a population of about 55% geriatric. So I got a, a really close view of what uh, geriatric uh, treatment and, and management look like. And um, and it's uh, there's a lot of uncompensated care. There's a lot of, you know, care that doesn't have a, a, a code. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was fascinating. Fast forward. I uh, went to work for a, a leadership development company, a global global uh, company, um, and part and, and trained as an executive coach. And part of that uh, work was business development. You know, in consulting, you're always building your pipeline. Mm -hmm. And um, in addition to my sales territory being in Houston, I wanted to stay in healthcare, and my contacts were here in Philadelphia and bring transformational thinking to a field that desperately needed it. A uh, couple of things happened in 2006. David Walker was in Philadelphia. He was the Comptroller General of the United States. And he was doing something he called the 20 State Fiscal Wake Up Tour. And he was bringing attention to the cost trajectory of healthcare in the United States that was expected to reach 20% of GDP by 2020. Um, or 24%. And this was back in 2006. And, um, and what the United States would look like if a quarter of our GDP was spent solely on healthcare, not being able to fund infrastructure and not being able to fund the military and social programs was really quite dire. A couple of weeks later, there was a, a, a full day conference at Jefferson um, uh, university and and uh, it was centered around educating physicians for 2020 and beyond. Given that uh, pharmaceuticals have changed, medical devices have changed, best practices have changed, payment models, technology, and yet we were educating physicians just the way that we always did for over 75 years. And so these these new graduates were not prepared for the environment that they were moving into. 
And it was at that conference that I learned that a third of the nation's physicians would have, would reach retirement age by 2020. So here we are in 2021 with a third of the nation's physicians over the age of, of 65. Average age of a nurse is, um, is 55. And the retirement age for a nurse is typically 61. And with 10,000 people a day turning 65, not only baby boomers, but millennials, the demand on the healthcare system is extraordinary. And then, um, and then we see with, um, with COVID-19 now, the frailties in the system. And, um, and so it's coming to light that we really need to make some changes. Back in, uh, in 2006, I got very concerned after that, cons- that conference um, where I learned about the aging of, the, of physicians. And, um, and the, together with the cost trajectory of the healthcare spending. And I couldn't think in terms of the whole country right? And the impact really, you know, conceptually, yes, but how it would land. And, but, I, but what I could do is look at how it would affect the practice that I ran for 18 years. So if we had a third fewer physician hours, if we had a third less money, dollars, a few fewer dollars to, to make this, you know, operation work, and if we had a third greater demand, and failure was not an option. What would I do? My job was to keep the lights on, mm-hmm. right? Make sure that everybody was able to do whatever they were hired to do and, um, and, and to be able to work seamlessly. At the end of the day, when I thought about the staff that we would need to hire with data analytics, with um, uh, data collection, uh, translating that to policy and procedure, tracking uh, hospital readmissions, not not by insurance company, but by our whole population. And um, what I realized was we would not know where to hire the talent that we need because other than for very large corporations, it didn't exist. And I realized that something needed to change. The other thing I thought was, you know, we're, we are a $4 trillion industry where virtually everyone is a consumer. So who's responsible for making sure that we have the talent that we need in this industry, whether it's clinical medicine, biopharma, medical devices, behavioral health, technology, right? And, and I thought, well, it must be the government. Because I would assert that if we don't have the talent, it's an issue of national security, mm. right? We've seen it now with COVID yeah. and, and folks trying to access care, you know, with the pandemic. Uh, it was, it's amazing that it shed light on the frailties of the healthcare system that we really were not aware of. Mm-hmm. But now there's a new awareness. So, so who owns the pipeline? Is it government? No. Is it industry? No. Is it colleges and universities? No. Is it secondary education? No. 
And as I was pointing fingers to each industry saying, well, somebody has to be responsible for this pipeline, the the finger came back at me Mm. and said, okay, you can't identify who's doing this, but somebody has to step up and create some something. At some point, I thought that I would start it and I would join an organization, you know, as I got into it and and uh, and and found somebody doing what we're doing. And and quite frankly, after all these years, I haven't. Mm. So, Dale, you said so many key things and I've been jotting down some notes that I want to make sure we visit together tonight. One of the words that resonated with me immediately when you said it was vision. So I, I, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing you for a number of years and I know your vision, but I, I want you to share your vision in depth with our listeners. Our listening audience is predominantly educators. And, and I, I know a part of your vision impacts them so greatly, but it also empowers them and empowers students. So could you share your vision, please? Yes. Um, HealthWorks Academies is a talent development pipeline program. It is um, designed to be implemented in public, private, charter, faith-based, and virtual schools in urban, suburban, and rural areas. We have a, our goal is to create a national pipeline of students progressing into the health sciences. Our, our second mission is to create diversity in that pipeline. We know that health outcomes are drastically impacted because we don't have diversity at the professional level at the, at the, at the rate that we need. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, those competencies that were typically reserved for senior executives, you know, communication, ownership of the whole, commitment to excellence, teamwork, critically important to high-performing teams. And we know that when we hire people with those skills, they do well. We know that when we bring diversity and inclusion and equity into companies, those companies do well. And we know that if we're going to impact health outcomes for minorities, that we must have representation at the at the uh, professional level. Now, Dale, when you shared just a few moments ago the executive skills, what what I heard, and this won't surprise you or Mike, what I heard was social emotional skills, and so. Uh, you know, all of us on this call tonight uh, are very passionate about social emotional learning. How does social emotional learning fit into a STEM curriculum or into, into your vision, into your pipeline? Tell us why that's so important. When we, when we designed our model, uh, I'm not an educator. I, I, I depend on, you know, the professionals in the field to guide our process, right? But but I did set, spend time on the um, executive level in in the industry, and what I saw was people with the social emotional skills, self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship skills, 
responsible decision-making. Coupled with problem-based learning, critical thinking and problem solving. And I can tell you that in a clinical setting, you're, you're, you're resetting uh, uh, your focus every minute of every day. Mm. You have to think on your feet and you have to problem solve and you have to be a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't solve something that's going to be somebody else's problem, mm. right? So you're thinking holistically all the time. And those skills are critically important and they impact patient outcomes. So just like driving a car, if somebody teaches you how to drive a car, you master it. Mm -hmm. If somebody teaches you these skills in high school and it becomes part of your operating DNA, then you take those skills with you wherever you go. And given that they're all teachable skills, I thought, why not implement them in our curriculum, give students all of those competencies together with um, a, a, a robust STEM curriculum, marry that with career awareness and um, you know, across a broad range of industries, a, a broad range of, of careers. Pair that with long-term mentoring so that every student has a champion and somebody in their spirit of influence to guide them through, not only through high school, but through post-secondary education. And those industries, that those mentors that come from industry who are looking to hire them. So they have a job when they're when they're through their, you know, have completed their education. So I want to hear... Uh, in depth about the mentorship, but take one step back. You know, I had a ninth grade teacher say to me, you know, Dale, he said, I love your program. He said, because if you know the mind of a ninth grader, their idea of the future is Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, having raised a couple of kids, you know, I could relate. But, you know, there's a magic that happens when you put students in industry where they see the professionals, they see the work product, they see the academic pathway, they meet the people, they hear their stories. What was your almost certain future when you were in high school? Mm. And what happened? And walking them through how they went from high school to where they are right now. And they learn about the industry and the, you know, the company and the focus and, you know, what their mission is. And the, uh, you know, our, our students shadow on average 40 careers a year. So over four years, they have a broad context for college and career uh, preparation and, um, and aspiration. Mm-hmm. Paired with the academic preparation and, um, and paired with a mentor mm-hmm. by the time they graduate. So we have, you have, HealthWorks Academies has, a high school, nine through 12, STEM, SEL, project-based learning curriculum. You have a career readiness. That is that is the pipeline. That's a part of the pipeline. And if I heard you correctly, the, the students get to participate in 40 different careers a year. Is that correct? 
that's what they that's what they shadow. We really needed to bring, you know, a broad range of of awareness. Mm. You know, you talk to kids and and you know, especially kids in um, in low performing school districts, in challenged neighborhoods, and you know, with few role models, and you ask them about careers in healthcare. And they'll tell you doctor, nurse, dentist, maybe EMT, mm. maybe phlebotomist, if they can remember the word. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's as much as they know. And you go to high performing schools and maybe dad's a doctor, maybe mom's a nurse, right? You would think that they have plenty of resources to explore a broad range of industries, but you know what? They may not know about biopharma. They may not know about the exploding uh, industry growth in Philadelphia in gene and cell cell and gene therapy that is absolutely changing the face of medicine, Mm. right? So regardless of their background, and regardless of their resources, we can offer a much broader experience for students to make an informed decision about the path that they want to take after high school. And then you bring in the mentorship, which I think is absolutely critical. So what kind of time, what kind of activities are they doing with their mentors? You know, the, the mentoring program is really meant to be uh, uh, as a, a champion, a guide, a, um, a resource, somebody, you know, knowledgeable in their corner. We know that high performing companies grow their talent from within. Right. The opportunity here is for companies to prepare their talent before they hire them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an extension of that growth from within. And that mentoring relationship is really a two-way street. It's that, you know, students get so much out of that mentoring relationship. You know, how do you pick a college? How do you how do you navigate uh, the application process? How do you write an essay? How you know, um, um, how do you navigate which college to, to select for the career, you know, the nuanced career that you're looking to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the options? You get a bachelor's degree with the idea that you're going to go to medical school and maybe you don't go to medical school. What can you do with that degree, mm-hmm. right? So people in industry can help you with that and um, and help guide you and 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 uh, and be your champion. STEM is hard, yeah. you know. There's no question about it. And we have a tremendous decline in students uh, uh, graduating from STEM in college. So, together with the demand that we have and the student graduation rates, we have a crisis. So, we need all of these resources for students to um, to to graduate successfully and be successful in bus- in, in industry. So as the ancient cultures teach us, with every crisis, there's an opportunity. And uh, let's move to that opportunity on the part of schools. What 
what can schools be doing? How can they partner with HealthWorks Academies to really give their students this incredible opportunity to create their future? We see STEM curriculum that is really varied across schools, across districts, across states. And one of the things that we wanted to be able to do was to level the playing field, provide a high quality curriculum that could be implemented in any school. Critically important for students who are going to be successful in their post-secondary um, pathway. Um, our connection with industry provides schools with access to a myriad of careers for their students. And we find that schools, regardless of background, um, typically don't have the relationship with industry. The only schools that do it really well are the tech schools mm. in their relationship with plumbers and carpenters and electricians, right? And that model has worked really well, where they train students, they have apprenticeship programs, and, and students are prepared for, for industry when they graduate. Uh, it's a great model. We don't do that for our college-bound students. And what we really need to do is connect them with industry and shepherd the, the way and remove the barriers, regardless of the student's background. Um, for um, schools uh, can can contact us, and we're you know happy to to talk more about our program, and um, uh, and we're looking to to scale. Our our mission is numbers, diversity, next generation talent, and we truly believe it's an issue of national security that we are successful in this. Mike, let me bring you in here because you are an educator day in and day out. Uh, uh, for our listeners who don't know Mike, uh, he is a special educator. And Mike, how does this resonate with you? What, what are some of the things you're hearing as you listen to Dale? So I've never, I've never heard of this in the sense, just the sense of urgency that's involved with it. So it feels almost like a call to arms with me. And uh, I think that's really important. And even though I work primarily with elementary age students, it's something I think that we need to be taking a very conscious look at, even at an early age, to help kids develop um, not just the skills they need, but the awareness and the opportunities so that they can move down a, a path later in life and be prepared for that. So I'm, I'm very curious to know what, if anything, we can be doing for children at a younger age to start building an awareness and an interest and even some sort of engagement if they were going to move into the, the area of healthcare or something similar to that. I think as parents and teachers, um, when we interview our industry professionals and we talk about, you know, where were you in high school? How did you, what spurred your interest? You know, where did this come from? Um, 
it's typically experience that they've had that piqued their interest. Um, you know, I remember being seven or eight years old and getting a biology kit for my birthday. And it was such a big deal. I mean, all the neighborhood kids were gathering around to see, you know, uh, all the equipment. And I think there was a, a fish in formaldehyde. And it was a really big deal, you know. I mean, simple things like that. But we have so many resources now that we didn't have then. Um, you know, we have technology and we have great museums and we have virtual experiences. And, you know, there's so many things. I was a Girl Scout forever, you know, and, and so there were, you know, there were interests, you know, there that, uh, that, that you know, that, uh, that were very valuable to me. So um, I think that giving, giving students the real world interest, you know, uh, experience um, in the sciences, in math and technology, um, you know, hands-on, show them how, how they can create something that works. Um, you know, I've known people that, you know, from a young age took a toaster apart and put it back together and plugged it in, right? You know, we've all heard those stories. Um, once that interest is is sparked, you can't put it out because they're always looking. They're always looking for something really interesting to get their hands on. You know, plant you know uh, plant uh, seeds and watch them grow. Um, hydroponics. You know, I mean, there's so much. Uh, we didn't have a lot of those things when I was growing up, but uh, but there's a whole world for kids. You know, there's some. There's one other thing that I would like to to share with you. Um, we talk about social determinants of health, mm -hmm. right? And I would assert that you know we those social determinants are you know are based on where you live and what your what your habits are and how well you eat and and how well you can take care of your family, I would assert that those social determinants of health are predicated on social determinants of education. Because when we educate our students, they have access to better housing, better health care, better employment, employment income, autonomy in the workplace. Um, they have... Um, you know, they can determine where they want to live um, and they have the ability to then educate their children. So there's a ripple effect. Um, you know, education is not just about what's learned in the classroom. It also is about opening the, the doors and unlocking the future well-being of an individual. You know, we've seen it with COVID, those, you know, those folks that um, have become essential workers, many of them because they didn't have the autonomy to be at home and safe from the vaccine and putting themselves in harm's way, right? Um, um, we've seen, you know, the, uh, the morbidity and mortality rate for black babies and um, and black pregnant women 
you know, if you're working minimum wage and trying to raise a family and maybe you're working two or three jobs and maybe you're taking a bus to work and, you know, and so your transportation takes a long time. And and then the doctor, you know, you need to see the doctor, but you could they can only see you at two in the afternoon. Mm. Well, you can't leave your job and take a bus and go to that appointment. And so that gets skipped. And um, and it has a ripple effect for people's well-being, and it has a ripple effect on patient outcomes. And so if we continue to allow students to fail in school, to take minimum wage jobs, that they can't afford healthy food, they don't have autonomy at work, they don't have autonomy at where they live, those are all social issues that we can address through education, critically important. So when we think about those social determinants of health, we need to be thinking about how we impact them in social determinants of education. Dale, as, as I just heard you, I what came to my mind was what many people refer to as closing the achievement gap. And, and the research that I'm reading now says that's really mistitled. We really should be talking about closing the opportunity gap. And that's what I, that's what I hear you saying right now, that we need to absolutely, along with social-emotional learning and STEM and problem-solving integration, we also, in education, need to honor diversity. We need to honor uh, and find equity within our systems, and we need to increase our cultural competence. And, and can, can you help our, leader, help our listeners understand how that work in education connects to success in the healthcare field? You know, you, you, everything you said is, is, is relevant, Tom. And, and, you know, I think that everything, everything goes back to how we educate our students. If we educate them in a silo with math and science and technology and, engi- and, and engineering. They learn those competencies, but they don't learn the skills for applying them. They don't have awareness of the career opportunities and aspirations. And, you know, when I have to tell you, when our students shadow these careers, that they come back to the classroom with a renewed vigor mm. and interest. And all of a sudden, that chemistry class that you thought you'd never need, right? It's okay, I'll get a C. You know, I'm never going to take this again. All of a sudden, it becomes very relevant because it's the stepping stone to that career that you just saw that you can't believe could be your life. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, so critically important. We can't think of things in a silo. We have to think holistically about how we educate our children beyond the subject matter. You, you uh, when you said the word vigor, I got very excited and that doesn't surprise either one of you knowing me. I was talking to a neuroscientist uh, a day or two ago. And she was telling me that we are feeling machines that think. 
We are not thinking machines that feel. And, and she shared how critically important it is to have our students be full of enthusiasm and motivation. And, and I think that, that I have found that in all the conversations and all the work that, that I've, I have had the privilege of doing with you. We have to help our schools, our teachers, find that, that play, well, you said it, relevance. If, if, the, if this content that I'm studying is not relevant to my life, why should I invest? Absolutely true. And, and for teachers, you know, I, I, I would assert that when teachers go into the field, it's because they love teaching and they love preparing their students for the academics that they are going to need, um, you know, as adults. But they don't have everything in their, at their disposal that they need to engage those students and they schools need a partner you know schools are not an industry schools are not looking at where industry is going i like to use the the wayne gretzky analogy you know when when he was asked um, how he scored so many goals he said i skated to where the puck was going mm. healthworks academies is preparing talent for where the industry is going not the jobs now but where the industry is going and you know when we talk about cell and gene therapy we talk about technology and wearables and data and analytics and how we use data and what it's going to mean the future is so different from what we know today mm. our rural students you know, we have the technology to transform healthcare in rural settings. Mm -hmm. We need the people in those communities with the cultural competence to be able to implement that technology and serve serve the population. Um, you know, the, for for teachers, they don't typically have that view, and so. We're able to come in with our industry partners who inform us of what they need and what they see downstream so that we can begin to inform and prepare high school students to fill those roles. The, the, uh, the future, talk, the, 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 rain, the Wayne Gretzky analogy I love, and, and I am not a scientist, and yet I have two sons that are. And I, and I am completely an enamored of science. And I was, uh, maybe you'll understand this. Uh, I don't. Uh, I think you remember our oldest son is a nanotechnologist in inorganic chemistry. Well, that, I mean, that, that's all I've got. That's, that's it. <laughs> and, and I asked him, uh, because this was the first time at Easter dinner, our family was together for a year. I said, what are you working on now? And he says, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm creating a lab on a chip. Yeah. Does that make any sense to you, Dale? <laughs> it does, <laughs> but it's pretty futuristic. It, well, to me, it's science fiction. <laughs> it, it's completely science fiction, but, but that's, that is our future. The science fiction is now. 
And, and for all of our students, and I, I really want to underline all of our students, the future is limitless opportunity. And for our educator friends who are motivating and inspiring uh, so much, you talked about partnership, and I know that you are HealthWorks Academies is ready to partner with schools now, correct? Yes, we are. Wonderful. So um, I know Mike will, will give us all the details on how schools can connect with you, but are there things that you'd want them to pay attention to on your website or things that they should be looking at right now as they get ready to find a partner like yourself? I think that uh, we have a new website coming, um, so it should be launched uh, very soon. Um, I think that I think this program has been really helpful for teachers and administrators to have an awareness of what's been missing in education and what the opportunity looks like to partner with industry and with us to create that bridge to enhance what they're doing for their students in their school with our program. Um, and what I would encourage them to do as well is to invest in our longitudinal tracking because we track our students from high school to industry and we share that information with the school. So while schools are looking at graduation rates, college admission rates, we want to know are they graduating on time? Are they staying on track? Where are they completing their education? Is it a bachelor's degree? Is it a master's degree? Are they going for you know, uh, uh, you know, education after a master's degree? Where are they going in industry? What careers are they embarking on? Um, we want to be able to pr provide that information back to the schools so they know how well they're doing in the long run. Graduation rates and college admission is great, but it's not enough. Mm -hmm. If we're preparing students for life, we need to know where they're going. And we're able to do that. That's incredibly exciting since everything today in schools needs to be data-based. Exactly. And we align with college and career readiness mandates. You know, so if they have, if students have to have um, uh, workplace experience and mentors, you know, mentoring experience in order to graduate or in order to to meet requirements. We do that. I want to I want to share a story, a personal story, uh, briefly, because it reinforces everything that you and HealthWorks Academies uh, are doing. Uh, as Dale knows, and Mike knows, and some of our listeners know. I, I had major heart surgery in the fall. And uh, it was a surprise to me that it was, need, that it was needed, but it was needed. I, I, I will never forget the moment. And, and this reinforces that incredible blend of high level healthcare, the science, with the social emotional problem solving skills. I, I was the recipient, I was the patient. So I'm sitting in the 
the office waiting for the surgeon who's going to open up my chest. And um, his, his um, uh, associate comes in and he's very warm and he's very friendly and he puts me at ease and he checks all my vitals and he goes over all my data. And then he, you know, brings the surgeon in and two things happened almost simultaneously. One, even though we're wearing our masks, even though in the office we're socially distant, this is back in late October, the surgeon was a master of social emotional skills. He was absolutely self-aware. He was self-effacing. He was humble, which I, I was I thought rare for a surgeon. <laughs> However, I appreciated that. Uh, he was socially aware of my wife and I. He knew this was a relationship that we needed to build quickly. And so here I am feeling comfortable socially, emotionally, when I did not want to feel comfortable. I was nervous and afraid. And then he brought in data. Then he brought in high level science. He said, Mr. Stecker, we've put all of your data, all of your heart data, all of your health data, all of your personal history into an international data bank. And he said, the data came back and said, you are 0.3% at risk for anything going wrong in the surgery. Dale, I almost stood up and said, let's do it now. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was this beautiful blend of everything that we are talking about tonight and everything that I know that you and HealthWorks Academies are nurturing our schools, nurturing our educators, and nurturing our children into the future. That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience. And for you to feel safe, for you to feel a, a partner in your healthcare, that um, that you felt uh, uh, empowered for compliance and adherence, you were going to do whatever they told you you needed to do, because you built this trust, yep. right? That's not always the case. Right. Fast forward now; we're forward looking. When we've got 10,000 people a day turning 65 and our, our healthcare workforce is aging and we have a, 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 a smaller pipeline of students going into graduating from STEM and going into the field, the demand for any healthcare provider is going to be extraordinary. Um, and what does that do for the trust and the buy-in and the comfort and the compliance and the adherence and the overall health outcomes when our pipeline is so challenged, right? So you had a wonderful experience and I'm so glad. That's well, I'm just incredibly excited that schools will have an opportunity to work with you to work with HealthWorks Academies, to develop the skills that I had the privilege of being a part of, because I believe it should not be a privilege. It should be a right for all human beings. 
Dale, I'm so thrilled you were with us tonight. So thrilled our listeners had a chance to hear from you. Mike, thank you as always for making this happen on your end. And uh, I know that you'll uh, uh, add to this podcast how folks can contact Dale and HealthWorks Academies. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, SCL champions, thanks for joining us. And if you're interested in getting in contact with Dale or learning more about HealthWorks Academies and the work they do, then please check our show notes for all that information. Take care and we'll see you next time.